So, a couple days ago, actually, was my girlfriend's birthday. And her name is Gabby. She's sitting in the front row. Come on, make some noise for Gabby. And so I, I had to be like the best boyfriend ever, so I had to throw a little surprise party. Now, let me tell you the plan. I had this plan out. It wasn't the best plan ever. But um, so first, I want to pick her up from school, pick her up from school, you know, and then go to our favorite park. So just like relaxing at the park, chilling, talk about life, talk about dreams, yada, 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 stupid stuff. Um, and so we're at the park. And so then I want to go to our favorite coffee shop. And at that coffee shop, um, I wanted to do this. So I wanted to, because I knew the baristas really well. So I told the barista, hey, before I get there, make sure you spill water on me and get me soaking wet. So here's why. Here's why. Ooh, ooh, hold on. Let me, let me tell it. Um, the reason why was so that I had to go home, and then that's where the surprise party was. And then we would say surprise, and then I would get her. And, um, yeah, it didn't work out that way at all. <laughs> the plan, it did not go according to plan at all. We get there. I get late, and we're sitting in traffic. I'm sitting at the park, and it was just, like, the most stressful, stressful time of my life, period. I was so freaking out because, look, I'm a good liar when it comes to board games, but I'm a really bad liar when it comes to face-to-face. And so she started figuring out something's going wrong. And, look, and so we were walking up to the house. We were walking. And what was running through my mind wasn't, you know, I really hope this day is amazing for my, the sweetest girlfriend ever. No, it wasn't, you know, I really hope that the plan, all my friends and family are there so that we can say surprise. What was running through my mind while we were walking up to the door, going to open the door and say surprise was... Man, I really hope someone is about to take a video of this so that I could put this on Instagram and so that I could get some likes and so I had the perfect caption already. What is really annoying was I was thinking, man, I really hope I can do this, get this, the perfect angle, have her face all like smiley and all like, oh my gosh, not, hey, I really hope this day is amazing for my girlfriend, none of that. It's so funny that in this society that we're living in today is just training us as individuals to get all the attention for ourselves. We desire attention for ourselves. And this society, the culture, is just training us to be like that. And here's the deal. Attention's huge. Attention, people literally make money off of attention. I I just watched a TED Talk with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. You know who he is, good actor. Um, He had a TED Talk, and he said, Instagram literally makes money by your attention. The more time you spend on that app, the more money they're going to make. And it's crazy how we're living in this society that focuses on attention, focuses on getting famous, getting clout. And that's the title of the message today is Clout Chasing. Some of you guys maybe not know what the word clout means, and I just want to teach the class here today. What clout means is influence or power, especially in politics or business. But it's all about status. Clout is popularity. It's making sure everybody likes you. That's what cloud is. It's influence. And because of the internet and because of social media, it's easier now than ever before to get famous, right? It's so easy. Back in the day, for majority of like humans being alive, if you wanted to get famous, you had to be good at something. You had to be a good actor, right? You had to be a good musician, be good. Just you had to be good at something. But nowadays, all you got to do is post a stupid video and you might blow up and get famous. Like, for example, this woman just smashes her head into bread and she's getting famous, Look, look at that. It's so stupid. This is the world that we live in, that you could just post funny content. You could, please take that off. Please, please, please take that off. 
You could post funny content. You could, you could be a really good musician and blow up, or you could be a really bad musician and blow up. And it's crazy how in this society we're just living in that it's just so easy to get famous. Look at TikTok, man. Like, we started making TGR TikTok videos, and it's got, like, thousands of views. They're so stupid, and they're so pointless. But it's, and everybody seems like it's trying to get this thing called fame. Everybody's trying to get famous. Everybody's trying to get clout. Everybody is trying to get recognized and get famous. And it's so easy because of social media. You guys heard of the guy named Alex from Target? Yeah? The dude was working at Target, and the dude blew up. Like, this girl, if you don't know the story, this girl thought he was kind of, like, hot stuff, took a picture of him on Twitter. The dude had 144 Twitter followers in the morning, and then at night, he had over 300,000 Twitter followers. And the next day, he was on CNN. It's crazy that this dude, he was just working at Target, and he blew up and got famous. And it's so easy in the society that we live in that it's just everyone wants to get famous. People are acting like idiots, to get famous. People are posting stupid things, making choices that they're going to probably regret for the rest of their lives, blowing up cars, smashing into things, and just so that people, the attention can be on them. I have this one friend whose goal in life, his goal is to get verified on Instagram. That's his goal. That's his one and only goal. Is to get, and he does stupid videos. He just does the craziest things. He was just recently on Barstool because he just does the stupidest things and he wants to get famous. He wants to get verified and get some clout. And it's so easy now than ever before. Look, and if you don't believe me that if everyone wants to get famous, I did some research, okay? I did some research and, I, and what studies are showing is that 10 to 12 year olds, their biggest goal in life is to get famous, not to be financially secure, not to have good relationships or good friendships. It's literally just to be famous. One in 12 would disown their own family to become a household name. One in nine would give up on marriage. One in six would give up on having kids. And one in three, if you were to ask them, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? They would say, I want to be a YouTube star and make YouTube videos for a living. Because it's clout is king. Everybody's chasing you. And look, I just want to be really clear with you. There's actually nothing wrong about being famous. Being famous, there's nothing wrong with you. If you are good at something, if you are good and you excel in any field in life, you are going to probably get some fame with that. And you can make a case in the Bible that Jesus actually gives fame. You can read in 1 Chronicles um, 14, and it says this. He sa it says that David did as God commanded him. And they struck down the Philistine army. So David's fame spread throughout every land, and the Lord made all the nations fear him. David did something good. Um, God blessed him and made him famous. Solomon asked for wisdom. And since he didn't ask for money and fame, what did God do? God gave him money and fame with the wisdom. And Jesus, man, Jesus, the, the, famous, the most famous person ever to exist, he had crowds of people when he was doing his ministry follow him. So honestly, having fame isn't the problem. And here's what I want to talk about tonight. It's the desire for fame. It's the desire for clout. It's the desire for fame. And here's why it's the problem. It's dangerous for your faith. Why? Because the desire for fame, what it does, it moves the trajectory of your life away from others away from God, and only towards yourself. Look, psychologists say that 
um, that the deep, if you want to be famous, there's some deep roots going on in your life. And there's the deep roots of injury. There's deep roots of neglect, feeling insignificant, maybe hard to please parents, rejected by friends, or overlooked. This is what psychologists are saying. And some of us desire this. And look, fame is very dramatic. It is. The attention actually can crush you. The Alex from Target, he had to delete Twitter because he just couldn't handle all the attention. What actually happens is desire, the desire for fame can destroy you. Billie Eilish just said this recently, that fame sucks. She used other words to describe that, but I'm not going to say that here up on stage. But she said it herself, the pop star right now. Billie Eilish saying, no, fame is stupid. Michael Phelps, the guy who swims better than some fish in the, in the sea, had so many Olympic medals, has done so many different things, got addicted to drugs, got addicted to alcohol because of fame, because he couldn't handle the success. And then realizing in rehab, he realized that the deep abandonment from his father, that he couldn't be comforted by his success. You never, ever, ever get what you're looking for. And look, if you don't believe me, the greatest theologian ever, Jim Carrey, said this once. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. This happens time and time again. That people who chase cloud, who chase popularity, who chase success, ends up not satisfying. And I think a lot of us, a lot of you guys in this room, isn't chasing cloud. You're not chasing fame. You don't care how many Twitter followers or Instagram followers you have. You don't care about online at all. But I think a lot of us in this room struggle with something that I like to call micro cravings for fame. And what that is, it's just simply that you just want to be known. You just want to be loved. You have this desire to be valued, to be noticed for what you do, and to be accepted and loved by everybody. And this comes out in small areas in your life. And for example, maybe you're the type of person that overcommits to things. And you do a lot of different things because you have this deep need to be liked by everybody. So you do this, and you do this, and you do that, and you realize, man, I'm overcommitting because you can't say no to people. I know, I realized this in my life, that there was a season in my life where I did so many different things, and I did this, and I did that. I'm like, why am I doing so many things? Why can't I say no? It's because, oh, I have this deep insecurity that I don't want to let anybody down. And so I would overcommit. I would do so many different things because I had this deep insecurity of mine. This micro craving for fame. Some of you guys just want the credit for all that you do. You want people to know that you do things and you want to show it off. And maybe you just made the baseball team and you just want to let everyone know that you made the baseball team, that you hit a home run. And you just want people to see that you did something and that you gave, that you served, that you, all the attention is on you for the credit you do. It's a micro craving for fame. Some of you guys are overly sensitive to criticism. That you just have this deep, deep hurt and, re- and that you don't want to be rejected by anybody. A hundred people can tell you you did a good job. But one person tells you, eh, you did an okay job, that it wrecks you and destroys you. Why? Because it, you are so dependent upon what other people say. These micro cravings for fame. You often say things like, do you like me? Do you recognize me? Do you validate me? Do you accept me? And some of you guys have huge micro cravings for fame that it leads you to do things that will compromise who you are. 
And it just literally breaks my heart. I see this so often where people um, feel like they need to be validated and be, need to be accepted and, and that the, they feel like the only way they feel loved and feel all, the only intention that would come to them is if they show off their body online. And it breaks my heart. I see so many girls, and I'm not judging, and I'm not throwing stones. I'm coming at you like a big brother and just saying, hey, look, you don't need it. Girls, women in the room, you don't need to show off your body online to receive attention. And some of you, I really do believe this, have been struggling and been doubting with that. So you feel like that's the only way that some guy will notice me. But look, you don't need to do that, ever. Ever. You're too valuable. You're too precious to do that. And so I don't know. Maybe I didn't say the thing that you're struggling with. I don't know. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. But I think a lot of us here are on the same boat in life, that we desperately have some deep insecurities in life that we struggle with, that we fight with on a daily basis. Some of you guys just want to be fame, famous so you can make a name for yourself because you have some deep insecurities, some deep wounds. Some of you just want to be loved or noticed or accepted, and that you do things to compromise with that. And so I don't know. I don't know what you're exactly struggling with, but I think what Paul reminds us in Romans is that he encourages our hearts and he encourages what ex- I think the root of the issue is. And so we're going to be in Romans chapter 8, verse 12. And if you want to turn to your Bible app and read along with it, that'd be great so that you can, you know, read along throughout the week. But we're just going to read it. Up. It's going to be up on the screens. It's And Romans 8, verse 12 says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You have no obligation. What's he saying? Paul is literally saying, hey, guys, family, Romans, hey, you're my family, brothers and sisters. Listen, you have no obligation to do what your flesh wants you to do. And so this sometimes we just feel like, because we don't feel loved, because we don't feel attention, because we don't feel noticed or valued, that we have to do things. Some of us feel like slaves, that we just feel like, you know, because, you know, I wasn't really appreciated growing up, because I didn't feel this love from my parents, because I didn't feel this love, or maybe because I'm just not getting noticed in life, that I have to do things. I have to say this in class. I have to act a certain way, because I just want to be noticed. But what Paul is reminding the Romans is he's saying that you are not obligated to. You have no obligation to do that. And he goes on to say, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. What's he saying? He's saying, like, look, if you continue to chase brokenness, you're going to end up with brokenness in your relationships, your family, your friends. That if you continue to chase fame, because of your insecurity, you'll just overcommit to different things. You just want the credit for all the things that you do. And look, it's, it's natural to chase fame. It's natural to f- chase fame when you're insecure. And so you do that. You chase brokenness. And you should do things to receive love and attention. But what Paul's saying is if you live by that, you will die. And it will just bre- end the brokenness and your di- different parts of your life. But then Paul goes on and says, but if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. 
For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Like, do you know that you're God's child? Honestly, like, do you know <laughs> that you're God's child? And I'm not, I'm not saying because majority of you guys go to SCS, so yeah, you know that. No, I'm saying do you know, do you know, like in here, that you are God's child? Do you know how valuable you are? And I think so often we, we don't really believe that. Now, if I can be straight up honest with you, that I had a, I'm having a really tough time, like, talking about this because there's some deep, there's some deep wounds within my heart that I honestly don't, I don't believe this. Like, I, I, I honestly don't believe that I'm God's child. And what do you mean? It? Like, <laughs> every Christian knows that. Like, everybody knows that. We're all God's children. No, no, I honestly don't believe that God, that I'm God's child, that he's my father. And so often I don't believe, and look, and honestly, I think I've been wrestling, I've been trying to figure this out, and I really do think he's just, he said to me this um, before when we were worshiping, he's like, look, I honestly hate that you feel this way. And I think a lot of us here in this room, God is saying to you, look, I hate that you feel so insecure. I hate that you don't feel, don't get the attention from your parents. I hate that you don't feel loved by people around you. I hate that you feel this way. So stop chasing clout, stop chasing fame, stop chasing all these different things because it's not going to satisfy you. Do you know that I'm your father? Some of us have been listening to the wrong voices for so long. That we're just nobodies, that we're just slaves and we're obligated to do whatever we feel like we're doing. But Paul goes on, he says this, so you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own child. And now we call him Abba, Father. Look, Satan wants to make you believe that the lie that literally launches a million different sins, the lie that literally launches a million different sins is that you don't believe that God's a good dad. You don't. And it, you, you're probably wrestling. It's like, hey, if I trust God, man, I don't think he's going to come through for me. I don't think I'm going to feel the love and acceptance. I don't think I'm going to feel appreciated. I don't think I'm going to feel validated. But the lie that literally launches a million different sins is believing that God's not a good dad. And here's also the problem. Psychology tells us that the way we view God is the way we view our dad, our earthly dad. And some of us have had really terrible parents in this room. And some of you guys had parents and had a dad that's been really mad at you, that wanted you to do better in life and is always angry. And so you view God like that. You don't view him as a father. You view him as this mad, angry guy that doesn't like to talk to you. Some of you guys don't have a father. And so you've just, and a father and a dad's been absent. And you've been feeling like that man God's not around and I don't understand how he can be around because my dad's never been around for me but I think this is what God wants to say to us tonight and here's how God views us that God's spirit touches our spirits and co confirms who we really are we know who he is and we know who we are father and children 
I switched to the message version because I just love how the message puts it. That, if our, that God's spirit reminds us who we really are. That we really are children. That our identity and that what we, who we are, we are children of God. I don't know what it's like being a dad. I have no idea. I literally have no idea. I, I want to be a dad. I can't wait for that adventure and that journey. But I don't know what it's like being a dad. But I was listening to a message recently, and, and some guy was talking about his experience of being a dad. And, um, and this guy named Ben Stewart, and he was talking. He was talking how he has a problem with the song, How He Loves. I don't know why. I don't know why he has a problem with the song, How He Loves. But he couldn't figure it out. And he was like, um, you know, is it the lyrics? Is it the way they sing it? He just couldn't figure it out. And he kept wrestling with it, and then it finally clicked that he, honestly, this guy who's a pastor who pastors thousands of people, didn't believe that he, God actually did love him. And he hated the fact that the song goes, how he loves us, oh, and he, you just keep singing it and keep singing it because deep down inside, subconsciously, he really didn't believe that God loved him. Until one night, he tells a story when he had a child. And a couple weeks later after he had the child, the baby was screaming one night and he woke up and went to the baby's care and he was holding his daughter and he looked at his daughter in his eyes and he had just like pain in his chest. It was super weird and he didn't understand why. And, and then it hit him. He was experiencing love. He was experiencing love. That this weird shit, like he didn't understand because it was like, this is a baby and all the babies are just need. They don't, they, they, they're not anything special. They, like, they don't dance. They don't, they can't entertain. You can't have a conversation with a baby. Like they, they, there's nothing like special about a baby. They're cute and adorable, but there's what, what, like he didn't understand how he could feel so much love. And I just love the way he puts it. He says this, and then I instantly felt the limits of language. I had this overwhelming sense of love. Like to say I would die for my baby is ridiculous because of course I would. There's no sentence I can orchestrate that can hold the emotions I'm feeling right now. Like there's no poem I can write. There's no song I could sing that would let you know that your dad feels and you wouldn't even understand it because you're a baby. And I think a lot of us don't feel that way when it comes to our relationship with God. And I think if we understood that we are his child, that he does love us, that we are valuable, that we are precious in his sight. Man, it'll literally make all the difference. And so what am I getting at? What, what am I getting at? I'm getting at there's no need to chase fame. There's no need to chase cloud. There's no need to chase acceptance from other people when you are a child of God. There's no need to. You can... Go off, you could do different things, you can try drugs, you can try getting accepted by everyone, you can try different relationships, you can try to be value, validated and valuable and feel accepted by everybody, but you don't need to. You don't have to because you are his child, and he loves you, and he's madly in love with you, and he's crazy about you. So I'm going to call the band up as we wrap tonight up. But from, from this love, I just want to give us some practical things. Because honestly, like a lot of you guys already know this, man. Like I'm not saying anything new to some of you guys here tonight. Yeah, I know I'm a child of God. But man, some of you guys still chase brokenness. Some of you guys are still deeply, deeply insecure. 
and you do different things and you act out in certain ways and you, you're just not satisfied in life. And, and I think it's because of this insecurity that we constantly face with and that you're constantly fighting. And so a couple of questions I have for you tonight is, um, who are you representing? When it comes to fame, when it comes to popularity, who are you representing? Are you representing your father? Are you representing him? Because look, we're not, we're called to be faithful. We're not called to be famous. We're not striving to become celebrities. We're submitting ourselves to become children. We're not living for the applause of the crowd. We're living from approval from our father. And I want all of us saying this week, just saying it's like less of me and more of him. Less of me, more of him. Less of me, more of him. And it's a problem with that for some of you. Because you already have such a low view of yourself that it's hard for you to say less of me because you already don't think of yourself that highly and great. But when you realize that you are loved, when you realize that you do have some worth, that you are valuable, that Jesus came to this earth, looked at you, and wants to be your heavenly father, and that maybe you have some brokenness in home, and maybe you have some brokenness at, with your father, and that you just can't imagine a father, a fatherly figure loving you. But man, come to the arms of of Jesus, who loves you, who's crazy about you. I just want to close with this one last story. I don't know if you know who Johnny Cash is, but Johnny Cash was like a guitarist. He was crazy, good, and, and he became a celebrity. He made millions of dollars, chased fame, chased clout, chased popularity, and it ended up just like not satisfying him, and he went into, addicted, got addicted to drugs, got addicted to alcohol, and, and he made a mess of his life. Like he was constantly drunk, he was constantly just, just a wreck. And he would, honestly, one time he actually drove a car, he crashed it into a tree, and it literally went on fire and there was a huge forest fire and he was literally at the worst part of his life and he was miserable he was depressed and um and so what he wanted to do he wanted to commit suicide and so what he did he grabbed the flashlight and just walked into a cave and he was like all right i'm just gonna go into this cave right here because nobody wants me i'm too broken i'm such a mess i'm just gonna go into this dark cave that and i'm just gonna just disappear and vanish and so what he did is he just walked he walked into the cave, and, um, and the flashlight went out, and he just sat there, and he just was miserable and wanted to die, because he chased clout, he chased popularity, he chased fame, and made him miserable, and he's never had a relationship with Jesus before, he's never had a relationship at all, he didn't know who Jesus was, but in that moment, in the darkest part of his moment, when everyone forgot about him, when he felt like nobody cared about him, he felt like God spoke and he said that he called him by his name and that he met him at the darkest point of his life. And he felt the love of the Father and he's never ever experienced such amazing love before. And so 
he didn't know what to do and he was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. And so he just started walking and he was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it out of here. I don't know if I'm going to be alive. But he started walking and he walked out the cave and two friends were somehow were there. And he, it was just crazy. And the friends started sharing the gospel to him. The guy got saved and he started, you know, touring with Billy Graham and singing worship songs in front of thousands of people. And this, and this is why I share this story. It's because some of you tonight are at the darkest point of your life, that you're so insecure, that you are so, you just feel like you're not worthy, that you feel like that there's no point for you to live anymore, that you feel that there's, there's nothing that you could do, nothing that you could say, that you just feel worthless, that you feel like a slave, that you've never ever felt the tension ever before. But I believe some of you guys, God's meeting you in the darkest part of your life. It's calling you by name, reminding you that you are a child of God. So let's pray. Jesus, we confess, Lord, that we're broken without you. God, we're sorry for being so insecure that we don't see our self-worth, that we don't see our value in what you say about us. So Jesus, we just surrender every thought. We surrender every lie of the enemy, every lie that says that we're not valuable, that we're, we don't have um, any worth. We just surrender that to you, Jesus. And we just believe we just believe that, Lord, that you are for us, that you're not against us, that there's nothing that can separate us from your love, Jesus, that your love meets us right when where we are in our brokenness, in our mess, in our darkness, that, Jesus, that you're the one that's going to lift us up, that you're the one that's going to pick us up from our pit, from our shame, from our guilt, from our worthlessness. So, Jesus, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. Do what only you could do in this moment, Jesus. We surrender all to you. We believe this in Jesus' name.